Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Aaron Potashin. Aaron, are you ready to do this? Let's do it. Excellent. Let's do this. Aaron is a Senior Vice President with Alliance Retirement Consulting's Austin office. He's been recognized as a top retirement plan advisor by NAPA, the Financial Times. He's a frequent contributor to the New York Times, CNBC, Barron's, Bloomberg, and Investment News. I'm excited to have you on. Aaron, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Um, well, happily married for 12 years. I am married to uh, the saint of all saints, so uh, <laughs> I love my wife and I'm thankful for her every day. Got uh, three young kids, so um, heavily dependent on coffee and uh, a lack of sleep, um, but they're a, a barrel of fun. And um, got into financial services sort of probably maybe how most people did. Uh, I didn't start out this way. I actually started out my career out of college in politics and um, didn't really like where I thought my career was going to end up going, but loved the idea of being able to enhance people's lives. And anyone who gets into politics at a young age, that's what you believe you're going to do, right? And so I kind of took a step back from when I was working in politics and thought, you know, what else could you do where you enhance somebody's life? And financial services was a choice that kind of came to me and seemed to make sense. And so since then, just been trying to figure out how I'm going to make my way in this world and uh, eventually ended up into this niche of servicing 401k plans and working with plan sponsors and absolutely love it. Got a a deep passion for this and I get to work with uh, some awesome companies and I've got a great team behind me over here and really I'm behind them. And uh, it's just been a fan. It's a lot of fun. At the end of the day, uh, I get to wake up and sort of like Warren Buffett says, tap dance to work every day. So I'm a lucky guy from that perspective. I like it. Very cool. And I saw on the the internet that you won an award for helping participants get the best outcomes, which is, I guess, at the end of the day, why 401k plans are around. So right. from, from your experience, um, obviously, you're doing a great job at an advisor. What are the companies doing who are offering the plans that are getting these results and what are the employees doing that are different or better than the plans that aren't right well what i would say is the the companies that are getting better results and i think we have to quantify and what is better results and better results really is getting more people into the 401k plan used you know retirement used to be a a three-legged stool where you had pensions maybe a retirement plan and then social security. So if even if you didn't participate in a 401k, you still had a pension in social security and you'd be okay in retirement. Well, pensions have gone the way of the dodo. And so now it's wholly dependent on 401k plans. And so really in the day and age that we're in today, employers need to take a better and more action in basically what we'll call automatic enrollment. And automatic enrollment's been around since 2006 when the Pension Protection Act was passed by President Bush and Congress. And basically, instead of people having to opt in, you basically are saying you have to opt out, uh, which is a much better system. And in all of the plans that we work with that have got very high participation rates 
and we say participation rates, that's the percentage of employees that are eligible to participate in the plan, how many of them are. And the companies that have got an automatic enrollment system set in place, they're having participation rates of anywhere from 85 to 90 and, and high 90 percent style of their employees. So nine out of 10 employees are participating. For those companies that don't have this automatic enrollment feature, we're seeing significantly less participation. And again, it comes back to, <clears throat> it's not a matter of them being able to financially participate, it's a matter of them just not doing it. And when it comes to uh, you know retirement today, uh, much more of it is inertia stopping people from being able to participate. There are obviously are other things, cost of living and and so and being and what your income is. Those are factors that I don't want to diminish. But automatic enrollment is a huge issue, and it it will help most people who are being stopped by inertia from participating. So the companies that are being successful, they are moving forward with these automatic enrollment features, and more and more of them are starting to implement it and getting away from the thought that they're acting like Big Brother. And that's what that's the reason most of them won't do it. They think, oh, well, we don't want to tell our employees what to do. But you really do have to tell them what to do. You know, So I would say that's what they're doing. Yeah, I, I appreciate that very much. And that's definitely one of the through lines of, of all the advisors that, that come on the show if they're working with individuals or they're working with organizational retirement plans like 401ks, the more that they can get their clients to automate, the better the results are. And I think that if we're being honest with ourselves, uh, that that's, it's really a key to a lot of things that, that we do to yeah. take, take our emotions out of it or just take our behaviors out of it and just set it. And I hate to say set it and forget it, but set it and forget it. So yeah. nice. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and how about on a, on, on, on the participant side is now that they're in the plan, they're, they're getting in the habit of saving. Maybe that's just it. What are some of the things that you see as reasons for why participants are, are more successful with a 401k? Uh, those that are more successful with the 401k. And <clears throat> again, let's quantify what successful mean. I think a successful participant is somebody that is a, you know, essentially getting every single dollar that they can from an employer match if there is an employer match. So they're saving to whatever that minimum is to get that. And then they're maxing out. The second would be, that's the first line of success. The second line would be, is if they're maxing out their 401k. Um, not everyone can do that. So there's some people that financially cannot afford to save 18,500 or going into 2019, it's raised to now 19,000. So I think that's number one. Because in some cases, let's say it's a 50% up to 6% match, which is the most common employer match formula in America. If you're saving six, your employer's gonna give you another three, all of a sudden you're at 9%. And depending on what study you're looking at, you need to be saving anywhere from eight to 12 or 15% of your annual pay. That's getting you much closer to that goal of what you need to be saving on an annual basis. So I think the minimum line for success as an employee within your 401k without complicating it too much, is just A, saving enough to get the max uh, that your employer is going to give you from a match perspective. And then the second line of success would be saving to the maximum that you can within your 401k, which is that you know IRS maximum. So those are the, the two ways you could do it. And the people that are doing that are the ones that, at the end of the day, have got a budget. <clears throat> so I think you know success in your 401k starts with actually having a budget and making sure that you know what you're spending your money on right now, what you've spent it on, 
and you can afford to actually save. And a lot of times when we have one-on-one discussions with people, we're discovering that, you know, you can actually afford to save a lot more, but because of, let's just call it frivolous spending or not being really disciplined on what they're spending their money on, at the end of the day, they can't afford to save because all the money's going out the back door. So I think you want to get a strong budget in place and then start going through those other two things I talked about. That's how you become a successful 401k participant. Got it. I, I certainly appreciate that. And man, that whole budget thing is uh, not the most exciting thing in the world to talk about, but it might just be the most important thing in, in, in your financial life. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So when an organization, you, you referenced having a, 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 a personal one-on-one conversation with a participant, and that suggests to me that you're working with a company or an organization who values that, who says, you know what, we're going to make Aaron available to our people and we're really going to encourage our people to take advantage of that and to sit down and have that conversation and put a budget together or get clarification on how this works, how does investing work, whatever it might be. Do do you attribute that to having a really strong community? Is it is it these, these, these companies are working hard at culture? The, I would attribute it to a couple different things. Um, our company, we handle, we work with plan sponsors on their 401k plan, and we also work with them on their employee medical benefits as well. And so the, the proposition that we have to these companies is, is, you know, we're interested in helping your employees understand their total compensation they have here at, your, at you, you know, Mr. Employer or Mrs. Employer. And what we want to help them understand is, here's how you can make the most amount of money from this employer. And by the way, that's also what the employer wants to know, wants these employees to know. And it's a struggle sometimes for these employers to truly communicate, here's how good this place is to work. And so we you know, will approach our clients and say, hey, look, let us help you better communicate what the total value of employment at this company is. And we can do that by making sure that we're communicating the number one and number two benefits you provide to your employees, which is medical benefits, and then number two is retirement. The third most important benefit you provide to your employees is significantly lower down the list. So we generally will partner with our benefit, medical benefits uh, partners on the other side, and we'll go out and we'll do open enrollment meetings, and they'll talk about the medical open enrollment, and then we'll talk about the 401k, and then we'll go and we'll sit down with employees afterwards and we'll say, look, Joe or Jane, you're making X amount of money this year. If you were to go into this medical plan option, you have the possibility of also getting a health savings account employer contribution that could come into your HSA, and you can get a 401k match. Now, here's how much it's gonna cost you to get this benefit from your employer. If you can put this amount of money into your HSA and this amount of money into your 401k, here's how much money you know this company is gonna give you. If that makes sense for you, then that's the best thing for you to do. And so that's where we spend a lot of time and our clients have really valued that because again, we're helping them to better communicate what the value is of them working at that company. And that's been you know, something a lot of our clients have welcomed and the employees have got a lot out of it. We get a lot of satisfaction out of it because we're helping you know, the, um, our clients you know, better communicate what their values are and also what the, their benefit packages are. And with unemployment being as low as they as it is right now, you know, employers are more in a position of, you know, trying to retain the employees they have 
and compete on benefits because you know everyone's got job offers right now so it's been really fun from that perspective right well i appreciate that and i do see immense value in helping people understand how all their benefits work individually but if you can also show them how they work together i think that that's really 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 great um i saw that you gave a presentation on uh I think the title was data is the difference. How, how are you using data to, to, to help people get better outcomes with, with their plans? Yeah. It, well, our, you know, our company, we, we really rebuilt it several years ago and we believe in our belief in rebuilding our company was, you know, we really believe that it's, we kind of refer to it as a broken broker model, both in medical benefits and retirement and what you have is a lot of people that are going out there pitching their services without really being able to demonstrate value in advance. And they're selling their services based off of a transfer of trust, which is basically what a referral is. Or they're going out there saying, here, look at all these other clients we work with. If this company works with us, then you should believe that we'll be good as well. But there's not really a lot of demonstration of value in advance. And so what we do is we use data to help demonstrate the value that we're gonna provide to a client in advance of them hiring us. And then we continue to use that data once somebody has decided to hire us. And what we're interested in doing that is because A, you know, there's a quote from the founder and CEO of Under Armour that says data is the new oil. And I think if you look at the biggest companies in the world right now, Amazon and you know some of these other people, they're companies that are built off of data, right? And so, and we happen to work in an industry where there are multiple points of data available to us. We're just going out there grabbing it and then using it in a little bit better way, we think, to help add more value to our client. It's more work on our side, certainly, but it's more valuable to the client. And uh, it's worked out well for us, um, you know, so and it's become really valuable for our clients as well. Um, and so we talk about, you know, that speech that I gave was really talking about what our process is and then some case studies of how we've used data to create a feedback loop for our clients. So that way they're more aware about what's going on with their own employees. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, I mean, if if if, if you're not aware of how many people are in the plan and what how much they're participating you, you you don't know what lever to try to pull to make a difference so yeah got it yeah and i think a, a a big part of the of understanding uh the data and being able to communicate that to an organization but maybe even more so to the actual plan participant to the user mm-hmm. is the idea of does it make more sense to me as as a participant to make a contribution to the traditional part of my 401k or or should I make a, a Roth style contribution? You have thoughts on I, that? You know, that conversation, uh, especially with the, uh, the tax rates changing for this year, it's come up a lot more. And that question is one we've always kind of deferred on giving a hard answer to because we believe that question should be answered between a participant and their individual financial advisor. Because really, whether you're gonna defer pre-tax or Roth, that decision should be part of an overall strategy that you're going to have as far as your retirement goes. And since we're not doing the individual retirement planning for each individual, it's much harder for us to answer that question for employees. So we've kind of fallen back on, here's the general guidelines for what you should think about if you're going to save in the Roth portion of your 401k or if you're going to save pre-tax. And we've fallen back on to if you're younger, 
and your income's lower than what it will be in the future, maybe Roth's better for you right now. If you're older in your career and you need to reduce your tax liability, um, maybe you know use the pre-tax. And then if you're somewhere in the middle, maybe a mix of both. So we have deferred on making a, a hard recommendation to employees and want them to engage with a CFP, a fiduciary advisor, someone that's gonna be there for the long term to help give them advice on what they should do specifically right now for that. Makes sense. Well, Aaron, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, my tip is um, really what I would tell people is, <clears throat> number one, you want to focus on being aware of who you're getting financial advice from. Um, the fiduciary rule did a great job of kind of activating in people's mind what a fiduciary is. So you want to be aware of, A, who you're getting advice from. Second, you want to be aware of if you are working at a company right now and you're not getting you know, any type of financial education, I would tell you to speak up and talk to your leadership, talk to your HR team, and let them know you want some kind of education. The majority of uh, financial education, once people leave school, if they had any type of financial education at school at all, the majority of financial education for, your work, for the rest of your life is gonna come from the workplace. And if you're not getting it there, you're gonna get it from you know, you know, your uncle that doesn't know anything. And it could be bad advice. So I would tell you, speak up for that. So number one, be aware of who you're getting advice from. And then number two, if you're not getting any type of financial education from your workplace, speak up to your leadership and make sure that uh, you're, you're letting them know you want something, you know, some type of education to go from there. Well, and, um, and that would be it. That is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Uh, well, I would tell you, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or, or Instagram, uh, Aaron Potashin. I'm pretty easy to find since there's only one of me on both of those platforms. Nice. And uh, I want to throw out an offer to the, the Money Seven Nation since you've got a really good audience. Um, and, you know, the fact that they've listened to this, I just appreciate that. And, you know, your time is the most valuable asset you have. So I want to make an offer for anyone that listens to this podcast one week from when it comes out, if you reach out to me, I want to send one person a gift. So you can connect with me via LinkedIn or Instagram. But if you connect with me one week from when this podcast comes out, I'm going to put your name into a hat and then I'm going to send you a gift of something that actually has a lot of meaning to me as well. So I just appreciate everyone paying attention to this and I look forward to providing somebody uh, a gift that means a lot to me. Awesome. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Aaron your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Uh, connect with him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and let him know that you listen to this show and you will potentially um, you'll be in, in, enrolled in a drawing for a gift. So very cool. Thank you again, Aaron. Appreciate it, Greg. Greg George, thanks. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!